Lauren and Josh Block live in Fort Worth, Texas with their four and a half year old daughter. Lauren is the founder and owner of Hey Gang, a kids and now adults clothing brand. She cut her teeth at Austin Boutique's The Royal Family and Bows and Arrows. And after that, she built Shinola's wholesale business. Josh is a musician and studio owner. He's produced chart-topping records for talented musicians like Leon Bridges, Robert Ellis, and Lola Kirk. Before he founded Fort Worth's Niles City Sound, he was the drummer in the band White Denim. He holds a degree in jazz studies, and he's excited to announce that his second recording space, Salad House, is on schedule to open by year's end. Josh, Lauren. Josh. Hey. Welcome to the No First Podcast. Thank Hi. you. Hi. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. So good to see you. So where are you in the world today? Where are we? Fort Worth, yeah. Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. And specifically the Fairmount neighborhood. You love your neighborhood. You guys, I think, weren't you in like a video for your neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Lauren, on it was a Texas Monthly video. It wasn't about the neighborhood, but maybe we ended up talking a lot about picking creatives in different Texas cities i don't remember what yeah was. why did why did we do that i don't know what the thing what the deal was <laughs> i've done a lot in promoting fort worth but not because i'm like some crazy psycho fort worth fan it's just the city gets involved well you guys you guys are two cool business owners late 30s oh, 40 we're both we just 40 turned 40 this year me too. I can't believe it. Yeah. We turned 40 during 80, baby. this fun quarantine stuff. What about you? I turned 40 in two months. <laughs> oh, you well, do? You turned 40. Yeah, I was born in December. So 80 babies, but I was the, yeah. I'm right the baby of the, of the bunch here. The <laughs> um, cusp of 81. We're the lucky ones or whatever they call special it. Special ones. We experienced no internet, the change of the addition of the internet. Cellular phones, cellular yeah. phones, wireless. We know, we know both sides of it. Mm -hmm. We can like, we can hang with a millennial, and we can, you know, reminisce with a Gen Xer. We're like, right down the middle. It's true. I remember hiring Foster Huntington for a job, and he had never used a, a film camera before. Wait, as a photographer, never use a film camera? Amazing. Wow. I mean, I have engineers all the time that just look at a tape machine and think it's neat to use old school stuff. Oh man. Like, you know, this is a really good medium. Also, it's the best way to keep things documented. So as a person who owns a recording studio, how much of your time is spent in a Crutchfield catalog, <laughs> like shopping for gear? <laughs> Part of my everyday activity is moving gear around. I'm not always shopping for it, but I'm trading, buying, I'm selling. I'm always just kind of shuffling, but that's kind of my thing. Like that's my kind of studio and my style of production. What's on your wish list right now? You know, um, it's more an internal thing at this point. Like as far as like the item goes, it's not specific, but it is like, I want to find my center as far as listening goes. And I think monitors are part of that, new speakers. So I have great speakers, but I don't know if they're right for my ear and my personal profile. 
So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at, which is a great place to be. I feel like that's a professional place to be. Yeah. You know, I'm not like young and thinking like, I need a new compressor because I don't know how to record vocals right. I'm to the point now in my collection where I like have it. The unicorn tears for recording vocal. And there's just like, if I can't do it with that, then I've got, I didn't pick the right thing for that vocalist. I'm finally at a point where I can start to pare down and tailor for myself. What was the first thing you recorded? Ever? Yeah. I know. I actually know the Axel Foley thing. Where did you record it? I had two Jambox cassette recorders. (laughs) Yeah. One was my dad's and one was mine. Like one was in his workout room or whatever in the garage. (laughs) And I was in the garage where he worked out using his Jambox and my Jambox. And I recorded that song on the radio because I heard it come on. So it was like a few bars late. And then I played it back off of that jam box while recording through the little pickup mic on the other jam box and me playing my like toy drum set over the Axel Foley thing. Because oh, wow. I finally, it finally came on the radio. It like never played on the radio. I could never catch it and I caught it and I played it. It was great because my two favorite movies at that time were Beverly Hills Cop and Major League. Hands down, like, I could recite Major League line by line, which I should not have been doing. <laughs> Anybody was paying attention, they told, like, yeah, total no-no. But I could, I remember my brother was way too young to know swear words. And he, we were playing yard baseball, and he came out and brought the baseball to me. Like, we were playing, and he, like, walked the baseball to me. He goes, I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this MFR out. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, this is not cool. But um, (laughs) so those are my two favorite movies. Axel Foley thing came on, and then I learned how to stack things on top of other things at that moment. I think I was really young, you know. It's, again, that whole sense of discovery. Every, I think everything in life, like as occupational or not, and artistic we're starting to like make the two the same i think if you're lucky you can kind of like make the two the same or if you're just ridiculously crazy and don't really care about money you do that and it's really interesting you have this sense of discovery and for me it was that was like one of them like why do the drums sound like i didn't know what electronic drums were i knew i had these weird toy drums in my garage that i threw like darts through that had like paper heads you know and they did not sound like that and then oh wait a second the other songs like acdc back in black tape that i have doesn't sound like that you know and i I wasn't in a i wasn't into drums it's not like i discovered drums at that moment I, i wasn't like i threw darts through them you know and then the same thing with recording it just kind of stayed with me and then it just keep coming up Lauren, can you say the same thing? I have a great photo of you on All Plat Out shopping in a turquoise market. But was that merchant, that buyer, was that always in you? Actually, yes, definitely. Um, I was always really concerned with what I was wearing. I had specific, like very like specific opinions. Like I, I, when I was like four or five, I would only wear hard jeans, which were like, basically like Wranglers or Lee jeans. Like my, my mom would 
you know, buy me the cute, like embroidered little jeans with like pink and purple flower. And I'd be like, no, I only wear hard jeans. Um, and I was a tomboy ever since I was little. Like I was basically wanted to be Punky Brewster. I tied bandanas around my legs, you know. I have, and I was very, yeah, very conscious about what I was always wearing, which our daughter is also conscious about what she's wearing, but is the opposite of me. Right, it's a point of, it's like almost, a, it's barring on a point of contention. Yeah for you where you're like, yeah. I don't know where she gets this. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> yes. Yes. So nature uh, versus nurture, right? Like, right. As soon as she had an opinion about colors and tutus, it was, I like pink and it has to twirl. If it doesn't twirl, I won't wear it. And that's, we finally, I, with Hey gang, my clothing is fairly tomboy. Um, but I do make some things for her, but I'm coming out with a jean. Um, this season like a straight up jean blue jean and she just started riding a bike she keeps falling and scraping her knee my jeans also have knee patches on them so I'm like you know what if you are my jeans you won't scrape your knees and so now every day she's like where are my jeans <laughs> she likes that they look like us Finally. Yeah, she's like, wow, she, I look like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time ever. She does impersonations in them. She does great impersonation of me in them. <laughs> yeah. But she was like, it was hilarious. I don't know where the voice came from. Uh, it sounded uh, like turn of the century. Oh, I got to get my stuff. And, you know, I'm it was, Josh. I'm Josh and I got to get my themes. And, uh, and then something about like Mr. Leon's coming over. And I've got to get cables. My life is cables and getting people guitars to her. But the jeans definitely brought that on. And the bike. Way to go with that. <laughs> That's amazing. So the reason I wanted to talk to you guys, and I guess I should have started with this, this show, No First, is about the things that we do to get to understand ourselves. And so the Axel Foley thing is a perfect example of like how it just happened. It wasn't something you were looking for, but you found this thing and it became part of your journey. I've had a lot of lives and I've failed and succeeded in equal measure. And I'm hoping to talk to people that feel comfortable talking about a little bit of both, a little bit of the things that they've done that they're proud of and the things that maybe they're they're not so proud of or that, you know, was a lesson learned. And I wanted to talk to couples who were creative or were in some way, shape or form working together or were in some way, shape or form inspired by one another. And so I thought of you guys first because I am constantly inspired by how the two of you interact with one another in seeing you together the times that I have. It seems like you feed off one another maybe without even knowing it. And when, I, when I wrote you, you were like, I don't think we work together at all. But I'm sure there are, let's, like, let's just get into it. Let's see yeah, if there's. Yeah. We definitely do work together in we, certain capacity. Like we do definitely feed up of each other and can help each other. And our worlds really work in tandem as well, as far as the movement of ideas. They kind of move together. Now that she's in kids, it still just feels like we're kind of still like we're in these parallel worlds. Yeah. So we, I think we help each other through that. Yeah. We also have learned to help problem solve lightly 
and politely with each other. It's interesting. I work in a very production-based element in my industry and she works way more on the talent side. Like the, I would say like if she were- I'm like the lead singer. If she were in music, yeah. <laughs> if she were in music, she would be the talent. So I think when she comes to me with problems or I come to her with problems, I feel like I've already worked with her a few times um, in the form of other people. The lead, the horrible lead singer probably. Not the horrible <laughs> lead singer, the good, to, fun to work with lead singers, you know? And I feel like that's something I've, it's taken 10 years to discover, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, um, but it makes so much sense. And Lauren, are you making everything locally? Um, almost everything. Um, my t-shirts and sweatshirts are made in LA. Or yeah, for the most part. I'm adding new categories, which are kind of all over the place. Isn't that cool? Are you kidding? It feels manageable to me. The idea of like it not being here feels crazy. I had played with starting a women's line with my best friend, like he, actually, when we were living in Nashville. So we kind of went through some motions there. We were mostly looking at producing in LA, but it's also because I have a lot of friends in LA that are in manufacturing or in, have a clothing brand or whatever. So to me, it was very accessible. My friend Kyle was like introducing us to factories. And so we like kind of went through this process with that. I took a job at Shinola. Life got busy. We moved to Dallas, just kind of went away. So after I had Birdie, I was doing a like holiday market for Shinola and I had Birdie with me. I don't know, I guess I didn't have a babysitter or something. I brought her to work in the market. It's like wearing her on me. And I met this girl who remembered my store in Austin. And she was like, you should do a kid's brand. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what? And Birdie did have on this really cute like denim outfit and I was like, oh, and she was like, you should totally do a kid's brand. And this girl ends up, she is a production consultant here in Dallas. Um, so kept her card about a few months later or so. I was like, oh my God, like all the ideas started popping into my head. And I'm like, I should do this. Like, I actually want to do this. I'm going to call this girl. So I called her and... Um, yeah, that's who, she's still my production consultant. She, most of her factories that she works with are in Texas and, and some in LA. So there's a few small factories in mostly Garland. So outside of Dallas that she works with. So yeah, and there are like 10 sewers. I ask because I have no idea how to do it. I've done it and I still, it's like right. every time you dip back in, it's different somehow. Yeah. I took five years off from having an online store and I'm now back with a Shopify site and I've uh -huh. all these products are out there that are, that have to do with making sure your customer's happy, making sure your customer's oh, yeah. aware of like new stuff. I don't know if I want to know all this stuff first and foremost. Yeah, that part is not really my thing either. If someone presented me with a report, I'd be interested in looking at it. The artist. Exactly. So not the producer. And I've been both and I can relate to being the front man and I can relate to being in the trenches. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I like both. I'm equally comfortable in both spots. Well, so Josh, you've always been like the secret weapon to me. 
you're the driving force behind a lot of amazing entities and you're somebody that takes no credit. <laughs> takes, I like that. <laughs> oh, as opposed to gets? Yeah. <laughs> I like that takes is the right spin. Gets, nobody gets anything. So I think that's, I think that's the right way to put it. Tell me about the journey to developing Niles. Just needing to do it, you know. That was it. You know, it's, you know how it is. There's this one success and failure after another success and failure after another. And they become like the same thing. And I started to get to the point to where hindsight was bothering me. Like it's not 2020. It's this like thing that's constantly like slapping you in the back of the head. You know, I'm not looking that way, you know? So why would we say hindsight's 2020? I'm just not even looking behind me. And I got to this point where that became really bothersome. And right at that time, it was just kind of like this big pile of bricks got laid down in front of me. And, you know, for interpersonal reasons and artistic reasons and financial reasons, I just kept moving in specific directions. And Niles got built out of that for better or worse. I still don't know if it was a mistake or not. I mean, like, honestly, there were interpersonal problems in a, within White Denim, which was the band I was drumming in, as there will be in any kind of group that lives in each other's lives to that degree. Lauren and I were in a very transitional part of our lives. And all I wanted to do, crazy enough, all I really wanted to do was my partner and I, Austin Jenkins, we just really wanted to record bands and put them on the radio. I really wanted to use like a, like an outdated format. I really wanted to go straight to radio and that's it. I was like done with touring and it's this idea of like, I've always been excited by like my 12 year old mind of what electrons are, mm -hmm. that they're just like flying and there's nothing stopping them. When it's like this thing, like it starts here and it flies and then it goes in to her ears and then it, it never stops in between there's never like this hold up and I, I just we just thought that was a super cool idea so we started driving to the stockyards up in north fort worth and we'd sit around and we plan this idea out which nile city was actually the name of a show because the original name for the stockyards the financial district of the stockyards was Nile city it lasted for like a year it was the most wealthy municipality in the country for that year and we called it Nile City, we called it Live from Nile City. And then all of a sudden we meet a, a fantastic singer. And at the time we thought White Denim was on a hiatus so the singer could work on his solo career. And we find the singer, Leon Bridges, and he's fantastic. And when he gets up and performs a half song, it's like you just heard the best song you've ever heard. You don't even think like that's a half song. He would sing a verse and a chorus and then repeat the same verse and chorus and then repeat the same verse and chorus again and the audience would stand up and be like, "Woo, that's so great. So for us, it was like, oh, okay. Well, I know we want to do this radio thing. And then Austin was like, dude, let's just set your junk up and go. So I had all this old 50s and 60s stuff and we set it up in this warehouse and all of a sudden he looks at me from his computer and just goes, we're doing business. Because we had no idea what we were doing. So Leon comes around, we have to make a recording, and then we end up on the South Side because there was no other choice because we kept failing at being a real business. I think I still am, you know, to, the, to right, right now. That was five years ago. She, Lauren is shaking her head 
Yeah, but, but you've I, recorded a bunch of people since then. You know, if you're like a... <laughs> Like is a that a business? business I, I remember, um, I remember. It's LL. Everything is L. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a lowercase P and a capital L. So that's how Niles became, but I was making records way before that. And it was a trailer in Wimberley when Lauren and I met, you know, and it was romantic to her. To me, it was, I was a, I was, I was a crazy person living in the woods in a trailer, you know, and all that became Niles. How do you define success? That idea keeps moving around. I define it as the way you kind of you kind of started. Like I, it's weird. Our relationship is funny. I'm the loud one, I think, in the relationship. Like I'm very talkative, and like like personally when it's one on one, and big or groups. In settings like this, this is one on one. <laughs> Dinner table conversation is easy for me, um, not because I'm I have a you know great control of the English language or anything. It's just my personality. And Lauren's very quiet, but I define success as like anything that's like quietly moving forward, just outlasting yourself. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. Success is when like something has happened and it can't help but not happen again. It keeps happening. And we're seeing that during this time, especially all these businesses that are failing. The reason they're failing is because they were propped up on not the most solid of grounds. Yeah. Well, I, the, I also feel like the ones that are going to last are the crazy ones. You know, I, I, I say that, but I think it's real. I think, I mean, there's going to be the loaded ones and we know who they are, but I think the ones that last these hard, these difficult times, you know, that, that maybe the economy and people's spending habits right now yeah. don't support that type of business. I think the ones of those that are going to last are going to be the real awesomely insane people. I love it. So Lauren, how do you define success? I define success with just being happy. Like to me, that would be, I would feel successful and content if I'm in a happy place. Like I don't need to be the biggest kids brand in the world. I don't need a million stores. I don't need that. I just want to do what I like to do and be able to create what I'm enjoying creating and Hopefully be financial, financially stable at the same time. <laughs> How is that going? Stable is probably not the right word, <laughs> but we're doing fine. We don't help each other out there. Yeah. <laughs> we might not be so good for each other in that capacity. <laughs> we work in cycles. We do work I think in cycles. We found each other's like creative cycle when it like pays off. Yeah. The other one's in that investment spot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. Hey Gang's doing great right now. Knock on wood. I was nervous about launching my third season during the start of the pandemic, but um, it's been going great. So. so let's get into the point in the conversation where we talk about what's in your cookies this week. Let's start with what is your favorite cookie? Um, you know, I like a oatmeal chocolate chip. Why? Why? It's <laughs> a really good question. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, that's, I don't know. This is perfect because it feeds into my answer. Like, what's yours? You guys help each other. That's exactly right. So, okay. So I, so I didn't read Lauren's and we didn't talk about them. I wanted to just I'm so happy that you didn't. So oatmeal chocolate chip. Are we talking like Quaker oatmeal and then like a Nestle Toll House chocolate chip? Yeah, Straightforward. 
Yeah, I like him pretty plain. I don't like a lot of fuss, like, in my cookie, yeah. I love that. I love that about you. The fact that you said, I don't know why, oh. is why I love that. Okay, what's, what's your favorite, Josh? Oatmeal raisin. My reason for liking oatmeal raisin is 100% because of Lauren's family. And it, like, always reminds me, whenever I eat an oatmeal raisin, I think about Lauren's family. Because when, I, when we first started being really serious with each other, especially after we moved and right before we got married, we'd visit. And they'd always, when family was over, and we lived in Austin, they lived in Austin, when her brother would come visit, her mom would always, and it was just quietly, not discussed, have a little thing of oatmeal raisin cookies on the counter. That she bought. That she bought. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She would buy them, make them. It doesn't, it's not about that. It's about this quiet comfort. Like no one talked about it. It wasn't discussed. It wasn't an ordeal, but there were always just these oatmeal raisin cookies. And it was this such a pleasant, wonderful thing to do for your family guests. And for me, from then on out, I'm like, there's certain things about Lauren and her family that I really actually look up to and envy from an outsider and then feel very lucky to be an insider in. And I think that's one of them. There's just this quiet respect for each other that doesn't get emanates and it emanates all the way into the cookies that are presented. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're still in the package that they're purchased in. They're just there. You know, I got these, you know, cause I knew you guys were coming over and everybody just kind of eats them. Nobody talks about them. Maybe every third trip, somebody will go like, these are great. <laughs> That's I don't, her not having I an answer yeah. is specifically what I like about the oatmeal raisin is because they don't have an answer of why they have them. It's just, you do it. People are coming over, you buy these cookies. They're home. It's awesome. So cool. Okay. What was in your internet history this week? What were you shopping for? What did you read, watch, listen to? Even though I have a children's clothing line, my child doesn't really love all of it that much. So I'm, I am constantly having to still buy her clothes and shoes. So I feel like I'm just, I'm shopping for Birdie a lot. I have a hard time with kids' shoes. Like I have a hard time with them not being like classic brands. Like I don't like buying a sneaker that's a random brand or generic sneaker. Checkered Vans, you can design, like she, she tweets, like you can design your own. And so she, um, she tweaked them a little bit and put her name on the back. But so yes, she wears Converse, Vans, Birkenstocks. Does she design her own stuff a lot of the time? Yeah, she's really into that. I watch HGTV when I fold clothes. It's like just this weird thing that I do. Like I'm being domestic. I'm going to watch HGTV <laughs> and Bernie's usually with me and she'll start drawing houses and she, then she'll be like, okay, so we're going to move this door over here and we're going to like, and we're going to add the kitchen here, add a window and here's the chimney. This is where Santa comes down. <laughs> it's li- yeah, it's really cute. I mean. <laughs> it's a little early for redecorating our. Well, no, she's an architect. She's. She's putting it together designing and she is she's decorating in it. she is she can already draw and she's been like this for a while dresses exactly how she wants them to look like she has a poof yeah there's a on poof. the shoulders <laughs> like the details of the dresses are where you read like oh when they start drawing details it'll be like eyes and mouths and stuff like this it's like no she started with the dress and had like 
Exactly. And the ankles. She draws ankles, which are heels. Josh, what's in your what's in your cookies this week? It's Vespa info because I have a 2005 PX150, the import. I recently got that. That was my midlife crisis gift to myself. What color um, is it? Black with like the perfect, just the perfect details. It's rad. And it's like a little beat up, you know, it looks a little moddy. So there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of cookies <laughs> related to that. And then the usual like acoustics information. I'm always like looking up acoustical information because I'm like, uh, part-time wannabe physics of sound. If you were a cocktail, what kind of cocktail would you be? I said margarita. Of course. Because I like everything about a margarita. I like tequila. I like lime. I like what a margarita like makes you think about, like what you picture. Like I would love to just live on the beach and drink margaritas <laughs> all day. That would be success to me, Max. Mine was oh, beer on oh. ice. Oh, that's a good one too. Full ice cubes, chipped ice, any ice. Yeah, just beer and ice. Yeah. Salt and lime. Does the beer need to be cold when it goes into the ice or does it matter? Interestingly enough, no rules. And that's why I like that cocktail. <laughs> what's your- um, Zero rules, dog. What's your beer of choice? Be Modelo or, strangely enough, just Budweiser out of a can because it reminds me of my dad. <laughs> I actually do that too. And I do it without thinking about it. If it's not cold enough or if I want it to be a longer experience, yeah. I'll put, put, beer oh, yeah. in, I'll put ice we, in the beer. Like I, maybe do I don't want to drink too many beers. So if I put on ice, I'll like stretch it out. <laughs> we started calling it Dallas on the Rocks. Oh, I love it. And I, it's just funny that way to me. What's the first article of clothing you reach for in the morning? Mine would be the pants that I had on yesterday. And I think the really interesting thing about that is if I reach for them and I don't want to put them on, I immediately look at it as a overall need to change, not just change my pants. But they are, aren't they? They're like the first thing I put on in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I guess you like, you wear them for like quite a long time. Like the nope. same pair of pants are in the, in like, are what you wear for like, five days straight. Sometimes so when you tears. are like the moment you're like, hmm, time to change. <laughs> and it's, it's like a life change thing. Yeah. You know, let's, let's switch it up today or this week. Clean it up. <laughs> Put on some clean pants. I, I, okay. Lauren, what's the first order uh, article of clothing you reach for in the morning? Do you have a uniform? You don't have a uniform. By My the way, overalls. I'm so jealous. My overalls. I'm so, <laughs> I'm teeming with jealousy. I, I want to be Lowell George. Oh so my bad. gosh. I, you sent me the Lowell George photo, which I, 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 let's, I think we need to do some men's. Well, I'd love to carry your overalls. Oh, okay. Let's do some, we'll do a men's. Cool. What is your battle armor? I feel like a perfect, perfect t-shirt, perfect pair of jeans. If I have on that, it could be a dressier version or a more casual version. Like, I feel like that's just what I feel most comfortable in, but it has to be perfect. I'm that very particular. Total sense. <laughs> She's, this, is this starting to become revealing? Like maybe I'm more talkative and she's quieter. 
but our personalities, she's seven feet tall and I'm five feet tall. <laughs> you're the, you're the, you're the scrappy, you know, running around a million miles an hour. And she's like the stoic a giant. Yeah. yeah. Mine's a blue Oxford. Oh yeah. Standard. See hers is a perfect tee and a perfect pair of jeans. Mine is a standard blue Oxford. Not really. The You're standard very blue, particular about your fit. Because the standard blue Oxford should fit right. Coming from shirt guy. What do you think is the best out right now? Oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Uh, what do you wear, Josh? Well, I used to wear, of course, Band of Outsiders when, during the heyday. You know, that was my jam. That's how we met. What do you yeah. guys think of an entire world? His new I like line. it. I think it's great. I like what it's about. It's so funny. It came out after we were talking, us sharing about each other's work and about how like, I think there's like a deal that's going to happen with like, we're going to start considering price in the same breath that we consider whether something's inclusive or not. You know, there's going totally. to be ec economically inclusive. It will be the idea. So I really think the entire world is, he, it feels like they're, pushing in that direction like you know like let's bring the price point down a little let's mm -hmm. do what we can here and they the name being the entire world with that it's happening scraping. at the same time it's pretty rad and it the fits great it's a little different but again the fit kind of works with the content mm -hmm. of the whole idea economical in in content economical and <laughs> fit democratic across the board understanding that like we're one thing, but we're all things at the same time. I dig it, but I still have like a couple blue shirts that were very expensive. Wore them for eight years though, Max. Oh yeah. Eight years. I have one extra large white Oxford band of outsiders or double XL maybe left. Like it was like left in my, so I don't know why, but it's like an oasis. Like it's like a, it's teasing like me. He can't, it doesn't fit. It's huge. And he's just like, ah. Mine, well, some, mine are like apart at the collar. You can't. Yeah. Flip it. Take it to the tailor and have it flipped. You can do that. They'll, they'll flip it and they'll, it'll be fine. You can do that. The California shirt, when I made that, every single shirt was delivered incorrectly. That's incredible. Well, I thought I had production Production. <laughs> See production. Yeah, I got a friend making music for a commercial. And it sounds like total insanity. And the first thing I said, I was like, wow, they had a lot of people giving you notes. And he was like, yeah, you can hear, yeah, of course you can hear that. And it's like, yeah, there's like 10 people weighing in on the sound of this, right? And the poor guy, it's because the buck stops with him. He had to sit there and pull his hair out until it makes sense. Do you deal with that a lot? Do you deal with like the 10 headed monster? Yeah, all the time. And it's not bad, you know, it just happens. And they can be great, 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 well-oiled machines like Gap. We did a Gap commercial with Leon. We produced the music for that and it's still there. You know, some of the requests you're like, you want it to what? We used to put it in a way, there was a guy walking out of a Torchy's Tacos years ago and he's wearing like just business attire, except he had Japanese writing down his forehead, across his eye and down his cheek. Only thing that wasn't like, normal IT guy at the office. And we go, we're like, what did he do when we were laughing? When did he just walk in one day and go, put Japanese right here, you know? And it became like a term for us. 
you know, or like, yeah, could you just put some Japanese right here? Cause that's what you're being like, you do a commercial and you're like, you want what? Sure. Yeah. I'll put that tattoo on your face. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. We well, so, Sorry, so guys. what's your, what's your blue Oxford of choice now? This is why we work. She'll tell me. Oh, Five. office scene general. We like oh yeah. Those. It's They're a great cool. fit. The sleeve rolls right. And then it rolls down right. You can wear it up, you can wear it down. And it has the yoke on the back. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. So He's good. so good. I haven't talked about these kinds of things in a while. I have this great photo, because we had that, we did that store, Willie's. That was one of the biggest. It was great. It was it great. Was, it could have been great. We had this Stephen Allen shop and shop. And he came, I maybe it was the opening party for Willie's or something. And so he was in town for it. And I have this picture, he walks in and he's just looking up at the mannequin. It was kind of higher up and they're in the same exact shirt. <laughs> and he, he's like, huh. <laughs> it's a good feeling. Yeah. I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you've both felt like that when you hear your song on the radio or in, in passing in the airport or you walk by something I walk by people all the time wearing things that I designed all yeah. the time and that's, it bl blows my mind. That's was, great. Yeah. But there's a beautiful anonymity to it. And I think Lauren would be the one, you know, there's this like founder love these days. And I think she's got those qualities and I think she gets a lot of them from her, her dad, who's a superstar as well. It's not a introvert extrovert thing. It has nothing to do with that. I just feel like it has to do with like what you have to say. <clears throat> and some people, what they have to say needs to be heard on the top of whatever the statement is. And other people, what they have to say is a very like supporting thing and it needs to be an editor. It's just really interesting that I never thought our relationship, it's just cool. It's really cool. When I first met you at your store, you know, are you going to cry? Yeah, I'm going to cry. <laughs> 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 so sweet. <laughs> it's cool watching. You know, I will say that there are certain people in that production role. Mm. You feel like a mule. And then... Like yeah. your job? Yeah. I never feel like you make people feel like that. Oh. Leadership is a dangerous thing but it's also a very special thing and everybody kind of falls into that role in their own bizarre and strange way. I do, just, you, do you guys I see yourselves Lauren. as leaders? I see Lauren as one. I don't see myself as one. She's totally one. She's my favorite kind. It's so cool. I, I think the word you're looking for is humble. You like lead by example. It's like all the classic qualities that you want to see in a leader I feel like she has them and because of that, she'll never see herself as that. It's so cool. But like people do like fall in line with you. It's incredible. I've noticed that I always work alone. Anything I've ever done is alone. And like, sometimes that makes me sad. I'm like, oh, why do I have to do everything alone by myself? Like even my job at Shinola, my, the, the job that was handed to me to go do, it was very like alone. Like there was no one helping me, no one. I was always kind of isolated. Josh, on the other hand, you're always 
I worship partnerships. There's people around him, like. I worship partnerships. I yeah. like partnerships. That's kind of my thing. And I'm just like, well, here I am. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> quote, white snake. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's that thing. Like she needs somebody like me to force the partnership on her, or she just needs to hire a bunch of employees. Like it's one or the other is going to happen because that's literally, she just falls into this. She's like kind of a born leader. She just like falls into it. Okay. I want to talk about your movies. Lauren, I want to hear about true stories. Which one did you answer true stories with? She said, when, when you find it on somewhere, what you absolutely have to finish. That's mine. True stories by David Byrne. Um, best movie of all time. We have constant conversations about it. We have talked about it throughout our entire relationship. The first time I was at his trailer, he had like some DVDs and I was like, oh my gosh, you have true stories? That's my favorite movie. That's me and my brother's favorite movie. And he was like, what? It's my favorite movie. And so we like immediately bonded. I've never played it for anyone. That we like it. it so much that my brother and his wife that live in LA, right around South by David Byrne was, came to Dallas to, for a viewing of true stories and a Q and A. And my brother and Molly bought us tickets, flew to Dallas. So we could all go to this together. <laughs> and it wasn't just a Q and A. He had, they had most of the extras. So one of the greatest things about True Stories is it's heavily cast with extras. I'd say 80% were- There's a talent show. Local extras that were, yeah, cast at, a, cast at a talent show in Dallas. Two talent shows, right? At Lakewood Theater. And that's most of them. And they had a lot of them there for the showing. Like they had the yodeling cowboy. So it was also filmed in the DFW area in 83 or 84. And it's all about David Byrne basically fell in love with this like these weird, vast DFW metroplex cities. These crazy like highway mix masters like in the middle of nowhere leading to these like weird little towns not like necessarily cute small towns you know they were towns with track houses and pop-up cities and um there's like a computer uh-huh. well they had their manufacturer they made their own the, version of texas instruments in the movie yeah yeah there's a small texas instruments movie so it's about this town um, during the sesquicentennial, and they're they're celebrating the celebration of specialness, which is basically they have a talent show, and it's about they're highlighting these people and their special weird like character like traits, and yeah, so it ends it culminates in a talent show. But the whole idea about like everyone being special in their own weird way, like whatever that is. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it really, like, they talk about it, how they, one thing he really loved about this area was that there's no way to frame something wrong because it's so flat, so vast that you could put any building, like a metal building, you put the metal building in the middle of one of these fields and then take a picture of it and it looks beautiful because it's framed perfectly. You don't have to be a professional photographer or a director of photography to film it right. It just looks great. I mean, and for being from this area, we feel like, I feel like there's this like closeness to the movie. That's just insane. It was John- North Park's in the movie. North Park Mall. 80s. Uh, It's John Goodman's first film, which is rad, you know? Eggleston came down and shot photographs of it that are beautiful. 
and Spalding Gray is one of the main characters in a Texan movie. We know? really like this movie. Yeah, clearly we love it. We could just keep going. You, you, I, I could listen to you talk about it all day. Um, I watched the trailer before we got oh. into our conversation today. And um, I cannot believe I haven't seen it because I am a massive David Byrne fan. Massive. I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen it. Um, the way that that man thinks about things like a pop-up city, as you say, or the fact that it frames perfectly... It's perfectly flat. If you've watched the Criterion Collection version of Stop Making Sense, the way that he storyboarded that whole show, it's the artist at work. You're seeing the artist show you his process. And it looks like he narrates he the does, He's the main character, he's yeah. In the, yeah, he's, he's like a visitor to the town. It's, Which he is, right? So it's, it's like, it's postmodern. I'm playing a character, but I'm playing a version of myself experiencing yeah. this in many ways for the first time. That, I feel like this is your first window into that part of his, into that part of his artistic expression. It's just, his vision's so, it's strange. It's so, it feels so clear when you're watching what he makes mm -hmm. happen. When you're listening to an album or you're watching a show especially, or you talk to you know, friends who've worked for him in multiple capacities, it, it just seems so, so clear. There's a weird Texan thing with him that is wonderful and strange. I mean, the hometown I'm from, Waxahachie, is like, he visits there a lot, you know? Um, it's, I grew up knowing these people who owned an art gallery there. It's a big part of my childhood. He knows the webs, yes. Um, and they own a, this folk art gallery that's- Which is also about their whole thing of celebrating- Specialness, yes. If you get Weird. a chance to look them up, it's the Web Folk Art Gallery. I'd say they're one of the my favorite things about Texas. I mean, so they're weird. two people so who just make so many beautiful things possible in a very special corner. And I grew up in this place, you know, there's, I could cry when I talk about Waxahachie, but not because I have so much pride. I just feel so lucky to have been a part of so much weirdness. <laughs> the, the town, the courthouse in downtown has these ugly hideous faces all over it. And there's this whole story behind it. And who knows if it's true or not, but that the artist who came to, to do the sculpture work on the courthouse fell in love with the daughter of the mayor and no one treated him with respect because he was just an artist. So he, you know, in secret, they're all portraits of the townspeople and how he felt like they looked like on the inside. So to give crazy. them this reminder for the rest of their lives on their courthouse that they've spent all this money on, that this is what you look like on the inside. And you should always know that, that that is there. And it's Why just, is that not a movie? It's also- Waxahachie like, grotesque. I, I know, yeah. It's, it's just this super weird town, you know? And uh, I, that's my entrance into David Byrne's career because there's this weird place called the video station that always had like the dude bro who knew everything about indie film worked out. <laughs> yes. It was a private owned video rental place where I think some of them were dubbed for sure. And you go and it's just like this bro. And if he thinks you're cool, he'll be like, you should check this out, man. Mm -hmm. And when I was really young, you know, he pushed true stories on me. He's like, I think you, I think it's time. You know, you got what Clerks was, which is great. Now check this out, you know, that kind of move. And I watched it and it blew my world open. Yeah. Like, yeah. Discovery.
Well, Lauren, was there anybody like that in your life early that was pushing you out beyond your comfort zone into new realms, experiencing new art? My brother was, he actually introduced me to that movie. He's way cooler than me. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's taught me a lot. My younger brother has taught me a lot. That's definitely a two-way street. We're very different, yet very similar. We like a lot of the same things. He's better at like seeking it out and like finding it and then showing me. He's very important. What's your motto? My motto is probably my dad's motto. And I don't know if it's because it was like ingrained in my head and he had it on his pads of paper with his little, his business logo. And at the bottom, they all said, do it now. Pins, do it now. He would tell me, do it now. I have to tell myself when I'm procrastinating to do it. Because if you do, just do it, get it done, move along. Like, this is so great. Yeah. Mine is, it's okay to be quiet and patient. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not patient. (laughs) Maybe that's because you have to tell yourself. I'm a patient person. I'm a a very very patient patient person. I am the opposite of patient. <laughs> so great. I mean, he says it to everybody. It's like. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> Lauren and Rick. I think you have that down though. You like do it. You just bam. Yeah. So cool. And then what do you have? It's done. It's done. If you let it sit, it just goes away. It like disappears or it becomes something different. If you just do it, if you have an idea or a project, if you just do it, you're going to come out of the gates pretty strong. If you wait around, wait for things to happen, create scenarios that could be problems, you got to just get, get in it and then you'll figure out the problems and just, you know, I don't know. What did you guys get out of the last hour we spent together? I'm still learning from you. I'm still learning from you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still learning from you. Yeah. We're still learning about each other too, which I think is interesting. The people in your life, the ones that are close to you, they're very important. Do everything you can to keep them there. That's what he said. That's perfect. Well, guys, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Thanks, Max. Thank you, Max. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lauren and Josh Block. You can and should look them up at thehaygang.com and nilecitysound.com. Tune in next week when my guest will be Lauren Yates of Women's Wear and the Ponytail Journal. And remember to work hard to know first who you are so that you're able to adorn yourself in the way that suits you best, you and you alone. This is the No First Podcast. The No First Podcast is a production of All Plat Out. Our theme song is That's Right by Pop Villains. Thanks to Marla, Stella, and Ruby. Stay safe, stay healthy, and know first who you are. Simple. So simplicity, for me, is the easiest way for me to exist. If everything is extremely simple, then I can navigate the world. The minute it gets complicated, I, I, I start to get so just the word simple if i just say it i i like what you said